Hello and welcome to the Teppi Show. Pun absolutely intended. The podcast where we talk about the things that nobody wants to talk about. The uncomfortable truths of life, all for the sake of growth and self-actualization. Bettering your human interactions, one podcast at a time. It's going to be uncomfortable, but you will grow. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, please welcome your host, Tepisho Kongo. Hello, hello everybody. Welcome to episode number 23 of the Tepi Show podcast. Thank you so much. Um, one more episode until we go into our season finale and our season break. So today I've got a very wonderful guest with me, Devin Garvey. Do you prefer the name Kale or Devin? Which one? No, Devin. Devin, please. <laughs> Devin. Call me Kale. Okay. Okay. Only, only, only Devin. So I went to school with Devin. We went to Cornell Hill College. Um, that's where I met him. So I've known him since about 2000 and I don't know, whatever. You were in one grade higher than me, right? Yeah. So yeah. when I was in grade eight, you're in grade nine, which is when I went to Cornwall. And then, yeah, I think, I think we've been friends ever since like then, 2008, yep. 2009. And yeah, and I think the one thing that we've always shared in common was our faith. Mm. I remember there was this one time at school where I tried to have a petition to bring in a new faith portfolio. Oh, yeah. I remember. Did you did you sign my petition? I think you're one of the few people that actually signed my petition. <laughs> I tried. So when we were when we were going in for for uh, SEC in in 2011. I tried to to apply for a non-existent post, which was head of spirituality or something. And they were like, yeah, no, we're okay, thanks. I was like, man, okay. At least Seppi would understand. It's fine. Yeah, and then I came and then I tried to also introduce a new portfolio. And they were like, mm, yeah, no, not our vibes. And they were like... Who's going to do it after you matriculate? But I'm sure God would have found someone. Yeah. But anyways, without any further ado, guys, please welcome Devin. Devin, welcome. Away, away. Thank you. Away. Thank you so much for deciding to join me. Like, I really appreciate this. Thanks so much. Yeah, I think like you're going to like teach us a lot. I asked Devin to come on to here so we could talk about three things mainly. Grace, repentance, and law. So... There was some things that I came across on your Facebook post and I thought this was quite interesting and I think I asked you to send me a VN. So I don't know if you want to elaborate and just explain like what was happening and so forth. Just give us a bit of context. So the first one that that um, you sort of screenshot to send to me was something that I posted about uh, Donald Trump. Um, now, right off the bat, I want to say I am not a fan of Donald Trump. Never <laughs> Sorry. I my feelings about it is if you claim to represent Jesus, if you claim to be a Christian, then automatically you and I get get stuck with the same label. And if you are engaging in a way that is unbefitting of a Christian, um, I'm gonna call you out on it. And I'm going to be like, look, you are like, what are you doing? This, you know, it's not right. And and Paul, to a certain degree, he encouraged that the the church hold each other accountable. But mm, um, mm, mm, mm. about a month ago, or two months ago, that I posted this, uh, I was I was I was reading one Timothy two, and I I got stuck with 
verse one to four, where it says, most of all, I'm, I'm writing to encourage you to pray with gratitude to God, pray for all men with all forms of prayer and requests as you intercede with intense passion and pray for every political leader and representative so that we would be able to live tranquil, undisturbed lives as we, as we worship the awe-inspiring God with pure hearts. It is pleasing to our Savior God to pray for them. He longs for everyone to embrace his life and return to the full knowledge of his truth. And that was like a punch in the gut. Because I realized that I had never, ever prayed for Donald Trump. Prayed for Donald Trump. Like, I couldn't bring myself to do it. I was like, I can't do it. And yet, when I finally did do it, and I'm going to be hand and heart honest now, I literally only did it like two weeks ago <laughs> for the first time, <laughs> but it was so liberating. And I realized that, you know, we have this, the wrong idea of, you know, we can have as many opinions as we like about those in power. We can have as mm-hmm. many opinions sure. as we want about other people who call themselves Christians. But at the end of the day, if we're not praying for them, we're not really doing much. And um, someone once sure. said that, God doesn't respond to complaints. God responds to faith. And mm. um, yeah, I think I think pretty I'm pretty sure he's had enough of the complaining. Like we do a lot of complaining, <laughs> you know. We we moan and moan and moan. And then when it comes to actually praying for God to change hearts, we're like, yeah, but I mean, this guy, you know, really, you know, this kind of guy. And yet I'm I'm not. I'm not saying this is fact, but I'm pretty certain that at some stage, all Christians were praying for the conversion of their Roman oppressors. At some stage, uh, every single true Christian who's been persecuted has prayed for their captor. And uh, it's just mm. a it's just a mindset change, you know? Mm. No, that is so beautiful, Devin. I think I remember when I saw that post, I was like, wow, this is amazing. Because firstly, I've never seen anyone repenting publicly mm. like you did. Well, I don't know if maybe you know another Devin in your world or somebody who you've seen publicly repent. I've never seen anybody publicly repent. Like maybe they repent in private, maybe yeah. they prevent, they repent in cl- behind closed doors. But I remember just seeing this and I was like, wow, this is really cool. And I'm like, I think you need to come teach us about repentance. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> this is something that every child of God should be doing. Because I'm, I'm of the view that if you're not repenting, chances are you're not growing in some area of your life mm. or you're not seeing your blind spots, mm. which means that you're not progressing. Mm. You know? So why did you feel the need to put it in a public space? Is it because you were also talking about Donald Trump in a public space and you're just rectifying that era? Yeah, uh, that was most of it, I think, because I would spend like hours and hours and hours going through your know, Facebook video feed and just <laughs> commenting. You're like, Donald Trump's awful. He's done this that, and the other, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And, and all it would do is just cause fight between me and like ultra conservative Americans. And, 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 and random people. On and the random internet. people. That's so funny. And, that's all it would do. And I would get so worked up. Like I would like sign off for Facebook being like, damn, Donald Trump again. Donald Trump. And, and it wasn't achieving anything. It wasn't drawing me closer to God. It wasn't in any way drawing him closer to God. And I just felt I needed to post it publicly. Not only because I have friends on Facebook who support him, 
but also just as a as a, hoping like as an example of you know what I messed up God corrected me and now I'm going to make sure that from this point on I don't set the bar that low ever again and I want other people to hold me accountable as well because in my post I um I said um from this moment on, I will neither glorify nor belittle the current president of the United States, but I will pray for him. I will pray that God speaks to him and through him. I will pray that God convicts where he needs conviction. I will not praise his decisions nor condemn them because that's between him and God, but I will pray for him. And I'm I'm really hoping that that someone will keep me accountable in that regard. Sheesh, I think definitely you achieved what you set out to do because I was inspired by one. I was like, wow, this is so amazing. And I think you and I, uh, we share that again, commonality again, because I've also always said that if there's anything I ever say on a public platform and I feel like, you know, God's through um, correcting me or I need to take it back, I will. I can also at any moment use the same Facebook that I used to say whatever to then come back and issue an apology or whatever the case might be. Mm. So tell me here about accountability, because I think that's like such a, a very important thing. You know, I think, I don't know. Do you want to tackle it for so, us? I love that you, because I think that's how we should live as Christians mm. in that you can keep me accountable and I can keep you accountable. But it seems that, I don't know, it's like almost the higher up you go the ranks and you become a pastor. Now all of a sudden, no one can say anything. We can't ask questions. You know, we just have to, I don't know. What has your experience been? Well, first of all, let me say, just because you're a pastor doesn't mean that you're not going to have accountability. Um, Right now, I'm a youth pastor and a young adults pastor. And hardly a week goes by without someone coming to me and being like, hey, you know, I, 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 you know, you weren't really that, you you, you didn't really do that in a way that is fitting of a Christian or, um, you know, this and this person said that you said something mean to them on Facebook and we just, you know, and it's, I appreciate that. Basically, um, I think that the, the reason why accountability in a Christian environment is so important is because if God is busy speaking to me and convicting me of something, I can, I can't ignore him. It's very easy. I can just, you know, fill my head with all kinds of other things. But if my Christian brother comes to me and says face like to my face, look, you need to stop this because this is really dragging you away from God. And especially if I have multiple accountability partners to say, look, four people have come to me today and said that what I said during that sermon was was not really Christ-like, then you're, wow, actually, maybe I kind of messed up a little there, you know? Mm. But it's also a beautiful thing, don't you think? Because that means that you also are in good standing with your fellow brothers and sisters. Like nobody has to harbor any offenses or anything. They can just bring it to you. I love that, Devin. I absolutely love that. Let's let's talk about your second post, um, the grace, the grace and the law. Because I've always been like, okay, I understand the the Christians that keep talking about us as hyper grace, they call it. And I'm like, mm. okay, what is hypergrace? But I think I figured out what after you explained it to me. I think I just didn't know the term for it because I've been like, okay, guys, but why are we ignoring the law? Like, so I was like, okay, mm. how much law and how much grace should we have? Like, how does that work? How much are we supposed to be mixing of each so we get the right, like, you know, mm. <laughs> mixture? Yeah, it's interesting. It's very interesting because Paul speaks about it a lot in, I think it's Romans. Um, mm. He mentions, you know, the law and grace. 
and um, basically his whole argument is that um, without grace, you have to abide by the law because of grace. Uh, we're not saying the law no longer applies, but Jesus changes your heart to such an extent that you follow the law, the, the law naturally anyway, the, the essence of the law. Um, one of Jesus' biggest gripes with the Pharisees was that they were they, they followed the letter of the law perfectly, but they missed the spirit of it. And mm. so, for example, he said, you know, the whole essence of the law can be summed up in love the Lord your God for your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. All the other things of how much you tithe and um, you know, how many your know, religious days you recognize, that's all irrelevant as, as far as, as as Jesus is concerned. And um, yeah, grace is, is, like I said, it's it's been cheapened to the mm. point where people think that they can claim all the benefits of the Christian life without actually surrendering their wills to God. And mm. we've come to the point where, you know, hyper grace, hyper grace is, is this idea that it doesn't matter what you do, it doesn't matter uh how you speak it doesn't matter how you live because grace is always there as a get out of jail free card doesn't matter um you don't need to repent you don't need to to change your 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 ways and to and and the the word for repent means to turn around you don't have to do that because grace is always there like a big cushion to keep you from falling down and the problem with that is that as uh Dietrich Bonhoeffer a uh, great German pastor said, cheap grace is grace without discipleship, grace without the cross, and grace without Jesus Christ. Uh. If you don't realize how much it costs Jesus to forgive you for your sins, you're never going to be afraid of committing that same sin again because it won't mean anything to you. Uh. For example, uh. if I'm struggling with anger towards someone, and I know for a fact just how much it cost Jesus to forgive me of my sin. I'm going to stop and, and, and seriously reconsider before I feel like lashing out in anger again. And it's true for every single sin that we, if we knew just how much Jesus paid for us on the cross, how much it cost him. We wouldn't be so quick to just, oh, well, oh, I messed up again. My bad. You know, and, and I was chatting to my pastor about this mm. the other day, and he was speaking about how the church just lacks the fear of God. People don't want to listen to about the, the sure. fear of God. They don't want to know about the fear of God. That's and that deep. is scary because. That's deep. You know, the fear of God is 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 the beginning of wisdom, as, as the Bible says. And without wisdom, True. we've got nothing. And it's not about, you know, because you hear people say, no, you don't need to fear God. You just have to, like, respect him. Fear of God is acknowledging who he is and what he can do. Like, you think the Thanos snap thing was impressive? Like, God can say a word and all of us will cease to exist. And when you get an idea of just how, I mean, we'll never have the complete idea, but just the inkling of an idea of how big God is, how amazing, how incredible, how awesome, how awe-inspiring he is. Everything else fades into just non-existence. Everything else might as well not exist. But we lack that fear. And when there's no mm -hmm. fear of God, 
hyper grace says do whatever you want and so that's why we have christians nowadays who engage in all sorts of you know debaucherous activities being like well it's okay god will forgive me and that's just like snapping jesus in the face while he's hanging on the cross but tell me here because if i'm if i'm an unbeliever and is it not the church's responsibility to make sure that i get the message because i've never heard christ now if i step in and all you guys are preaching exactly. grace. And that is the problem. Because if you say to people, and, and this goes back to when you when you lead someone in, in, the, in, in what's called the sinner's prayer. I've heard so many times where people have just been like, mm-hmm. uh, do you accept Jesus in your heart? Do you acknowledge that he forgives you for your sins? Okay, awesome. Then you're good. Cool. Awesome. You're going to heaven. There's no... You make sure that you submit your will to God. There's no, what you want actually comes in second place. Um, There's no reverence of who Mm. God actually is. It's become a cheap marketing firm to try and get as many church members as possible. Like, I don't want to offend anyone, so I'm just going to make sure that they only Mm. hear what they want to hear. And uh, that is a shortcut to absolute ruin. Then you're a lukewarm christian i sheesh i agree so what do you think needs to happen i think no people need to to start realizing the fear of god again first of all uh because when we realize that we realize just how far away we are and how how much we still need jesus um but second of all when we lead people to Mm. christ we need to be up front and say you know what life isn't going to be easy right now in fact, life's going to get a heck of a lot tougher because, mm. and I actually preached on this um, last night that at our evening service, that um, if you are not, if you have never been persecuted, if you've never been attacked spiritually, if, ne- if you've never engaged in, in any kind of spiritual warfare, chances are you're nowhere near where God wants you to be. Because where God wants you to be is where Satan hates. And so he'll try everything he can to try and push you away and and resist as much as possible. And that's how you know that you're where God wants you to be is when the persecution is at its worst. But we we tend to create this idyllic sort of uh, fantasy where you accept Jesus in your heart and all your diseases will be healed and and you'll only ever good, get great jobs. And you'll only ever have breakthrough. Well, here's the thing. If there is nothing to break through, break through, there won't be any breakthrough. You need to be at your lowest in order for God to do the biggest breakthrough he possibly can. And people don't get that. And so I've spoken to tons of Christians who say things like, well, I, I just believe that God wants everyone to be healed and everyone to be healthy and yeah okay but what happens if you're not healthy what happens if you're sick and it had nothing to do with your lack of faith and had nothing to do with uh a sin that you committed or sin of your father or your forefathers what if it's because you wanted to get so close to jesus that satan himself had to had to physically attack you to try and keep you away and i feel like the hunger for god is not there. People are just lukewarm Christians, and they're like, well, if I go to church, it's fine. Uh, they're the same kinds of people who Jesus like said he would say to them, you 
know, you did all these things for me, but I don't actually know you. Mm, mm, mm. That's quite powerful. I hear what you're saying. Tell me here, when you say spiritual warfare, can you just clarify? <laughs> are we talking fire, fire, fire? It's interesting. What are, what are we, we talking about when we say spiritual warfare? No worries. Clarify. So we, as a church and as a school, <laughs> we've, uh, we've really been engaging with sp- in spiritual warfare this past few weeks. Um, we had an actual exorcism, a demonic manifestation at the school recently where a child, mm-hmm. um, he was a teenager, he's you know, a pretty big dude, and um, he, he just convulsed off of his chair and broke the chair in half. And he, we, we, like, it was me and the pastor and my boss and another teacher, we were trying to just wrestle with this kid for like, must have been 10 minutes and eventually he succumbed and he had no memory of what happened whatsoever. So we led him in a prayer of salvation. And then the very next day, uh, another teenage girl was complaining of, of lightheadedness and um, she was you know, throwing up. Um, I was in hospital about two weeks ago with ulcerative colitis. Uh, we had uh, for about four days, we had our pastor had, uh, had to go to the doctor with elevated blood pressure. Basically, spiritual attack is anything that the devil can use to try and subdue you so it can be physical like manifesting physically like unexplained pain and and lightheadedness and all kinds of stuff or it'll be psychological and it'll be you know depression and these these suicidal thoughts and um just unexplained rage and all kinds of stuff and so all of that falls under the blanket of spiritual uh, spiritual warfare. Mm, okay. I have one question, one last question with regards to that. But how do you know it's the devil and versus, I don't know, maybe you ate something that was rotten last week. Well, because it's, it's, making it's usually unexplainable, week. right? So, for example, uh, with okay. the girl who was throwing up, she didn't eat anything weird. And even if she had, it wouldn't have accounted for the fact that she was lightheaded. She felt like she was going to faint. And then she threw up, right? Um, with me, mm. I know for a fact that, mm. that it was uh, my ulcerative colitis was, was pretty much caused by the stress of having, you know, three jobs at the same time. Um, but I still recognize that, you know, this was Satan trying his best to put me down. And um, and it's continued. I mean, right now I've got like a hectic sore throat, and I was battling to you know breathe properly earlier today, and um, all these things. But but the the most important thing is that we realize what we've already achieved, what Jesus already achieved for us. Like I like to use the image of um, a, a soccer illustration to be like you know we're already like a million goals ahead. There's no way that Satan can possibly win. Uh, and we're right now we're in extra time. We're waiting for the referee to blow his final whistle. And so all Satan can do is to try and slide tackle us and hurt us and get in our minds. But all we have to do is just point to the scoreboard, which happens to be shaped like a cross and be like, well, actually, I think you've lost, bro. Like, yeah, I think you're losing. Sorry. It's over. Game over. <laughs> mm. Okay, I hear you. I like I like how you explained the whole hyper grace because I think I was telling my husband the same thing 
Because um, I was saying to him that I mm. think the Bible is written the way it is written for a reason. So in that it starts with the law. So you start with Genesis, you see where we all come from, you see what happens, and then you get to the laws, the many laws, the many sacrifices, the many offerings, and you're like, okay, okay, where's this going? But the whole point is that I feel like it needs to be so heavily ingrained with you that by the time you get to the New Testament, you're like, phew, a breather, grace. Because now all, at all this time, you're trying to like keep the law, but you realize that actually I can't do this. So I was telling, I was telling Pum that I think you know, it's it's yeah. actually, I think that the Bible was written the way it was for a reason, like in that the law is there. But and I think, unfortunately, or fortunately, when you step into the church, mm. you never ever hear so, the the law part of it, you know. And I, I understand because it's like, yes, you shouldn't tell people law only because they won't be able to keep mm. it. But maybe they just need it just to have that reverence and that fear of God. And then we give them grace. But I don't know because like, I'm not a pastor. So, so I don't know how these things work. Uh, allow me to explain quickly. So basically, how, you know, the reason for the structure of, of how the Old Testament and New Testament work in terms of law and grace is the law was originally given to the, the Israelites mm-hmm. um, as a way of separating themselves from those around them. Because, yeah, because the other nations were the doing nations. absolutely horrendous things, you know, child sacrifices and rape and pillage and all kinds of just like terrible terrible things and so god said listen if we if you're going to be my people i need you to separate yourselves and that's why the vast majority of the laws were look at what they're doing now i want you to do the opposite and you can see like the whole old testament is geared towards separation making sure that that we stay true to who we are and we don't allow any foreign influences in at all Fast forward that to the New Testament. And oh, that's beautiful. Jesus is saying, look, it's not about separation. It's about welcoming in, but welcoming in so that I can change from the inside. And that is why he was so hard on, for example, mm. the Pharisees and the Sadducees, because they were still continuing with the, we're better than you, we're separate. And they took the beauty of, God wanting uniqueness and separation from other nations. And they took it to the extreme to be like, well, let's apply that to our own people. We're going to be so much holier than everyone else that we're going to create a subclass division in our own nation. And Jesus was like, I don't think so, because that's not how it works in my kingdom. And so that's where grace comes in to be like, look, if you can try as hard as possible to be as holy as the Pharisees. In fact, Jesus said, you know, your your holiness needs to exceed theirs. But the only reason why I said that was because it's it was impossible for the average person to even get close without him. And it was almost like he was saying, you know, you want oxygen? Okay, well, I've got the oxygen tank. So if you want some, you got to come to me. And that's where grace came in. So Old Testament was all, let's separate ourselves. New Testament is all, let's welcome people in. And that is the biggest difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. You know, people say that they're contradictory, but they're not. They're just, it's, it's the evolution of the story. No, they're not. Yeah, it is. And also the Old Testament is just the New Testament. It's Jesus, what's this? Jesus concealed, and then in the New Testament, exactly. is Jesus revealed. So everything was just a foreshadowing. That's a very beautiful explanation, though. 
But tell me here, like, honestly speaking, when you read what the Pharisees did in the Bible, it doesn't sound bad. Because I, I don't know. I feel like when I read the Bible, I'm like, right. what, what, was, what did Jesus have against these people? So it's not until now that you're yeah, explaining yeah. about how they had a whole subdivision. Because mm-hmm. I think some, sometimes some of us have been Pharisees without even knowing it. And I think that's where the problem comes in with the word of God is when you read yeah. it and then all the bad characters is never you. You, you know never what? are able to identify and therefore you can't repent. Because if I don't Every think I'm a Pharisee, one of us has been a I'm Pharisee not going to repent for being a Pharisee. So basically the biggest problem that Jesus had with the Pharisees Amen. that they were so <laughs> concerned with doing what was good in people's eyes that they had no problem doing what was bad in God's eyes. Mm. And so, you know, Jesus said, you know, you guys mm. get so finicky about tithing your mint and your you're giving a tenth of the plants that you grow and being all ridiculous like that but when it comes to like reaching out the poor and the needy mm. you couldn't care less in fact the reason why jesus cleared the temples was because the pharisees and the priests had turned it into basic larceny what they would do was uh, so in the Jewish system, you had to pay like it was a ridiculous amount of taxes. So the Jews had to pay taxes to Rome for pretty much everything. Then they had to pay religious taxes in addition to tithes. So every single time you came into Jerusalem, you had to pay. Every time you went out, you had to pay. Every time you had a child, you had to pay. Uh, and if you tried to loan money from the temple, they would charge you ridiculously high interest rates. And if you couldn't pay, you were sent out to live in the slums and work until you could eventually pay back the loan, which you could never do anyway, because it just kept appreciating and appreciating. And the other problem was that Mm. in Jewish law, in order for you to to give tithes and offerings, um, you had to use a, a coin that didn't have anyone's face on it because that was deemed idolatrous. And so they would say, all right, cool. Here's what we'll do. You give us your money that has the emperor's face on it, and we'll give you Jewish coins to use. Only problem was they charged ridiculously high rates. And it it was basically theft. And Jesus' biggest problem with these guys was that they were doing it in the name of religion, in the name of God. They would... Uh, you know, when it came to slaughtering lambs, they would um, they would you know have their own you know perfect lambs or whatever. And if someone brought a lamb to slaughter, they would magically find something wrong with it and be like, "Well, you can't use that one. You have to buy one from us." And they would charge huge money for that. And then they would keep that lamb, the, the rejected lamb, for themselves and use it as the next perfect lamb. And so there's no wonder that Jesus was so hard on these guys because they were supposed to be the ones bringing the nation of Israel closer to God, but they were just doing it for themselves. And all of us have been there. All of us have been in that point Mm -hmm. where we have been Mm -hmm. so consumed with doing things for God instead of actually getting to know God. You know, I was telling someone the other day who's a parent, I said, what would make you happier if your son came home with 10 A's or if your son tried as hard as possible just to spend as much time with you as possible and he said well obviously it's 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 if he would spend time with me and I said God's exactly the same God doesn't care so much about what you can do for him 
as how much time you spend with him. And I feel like all of us have at some point been so fixated with what can we do for God? What can we do? What can we do? Can we, uh, let's start another feeding scheme. Let's do evangelism. Let's do this and the other. But when it comes to actually spending time with our father, nah, that'll come later. Mm. That's very powerful. Where, where did you study all of this about the Pharisees? Like, I this have is a bachelor's degree in studies because this is not in the Bible. <laughs> I studied it for four years. So it... Oh, yes, yes. You should. Maybe I, maybe, maybe you I should. need to do that. You know, it's all so weird. Us. I never thought of studying theology, which is so weird because people at high school, people at high school thought that I would actually like become a pastor or like study theology, but I don't know. You, <laughs> I don't know what happened. Maybe I missed the calling, but I think I'm, I'm hearing now because now I've got a Bible. I've got like a study Bible. So now it has like more in-depth notes, but it's really refreshing to hear it from you because now it's like even more in-depth. So now I understand. So, oh, okay. I wasn't being a Pharisee because I thought I was at one point, but it looks like the Pharisees mm-hmm. were, they were, they were very deliberate and they knew what they were doing. Whereas, you know, some of us, we just do it like, I don't know. You're just trying to get people closer to God and you're just... It just comes from a place of innocence because you're not profiting. Well, that's just, I'm not profiting. That, sorry, I haven't gotten that regard. Like bringing people um, we have to all church. been Pharisees in another way. And it's something uh-huh. that I've been guilty of many times is of saying, well, Tell I me. might be not a great person, but at least I'm better than them. I might not have done this, and Ooh, but yes. at least I'm better than them. And Comparison. that's what the Pharisees were masters of. Mm. Um, and mm. he's just, you know, he went almost went mm. out of his way to rub them the wrong way. Like he would say that, you know, he 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 mm. when he told the parable of the of the the wedding banquet, and he ended off by saying, "Many are called, but few are chosen." That would have been like a slap in the mouth to all the Pharisees because they believed mm. they were the chosen ones, and the inference was. God was calling all of them, but he was only going to choose a few of them, and he wasn't going to go for the the most religious dudes. In fact, one of my one of my favorite lines in the whole scripture, mm. and it's very low key, but it's Jesus mm-hmm. at Matthew's house, and all these Pharisees are like, "Why is your teacher eating with you know such disgusting you know, tax- I love the thing with tax collectors is tax collectors. if you were a tax collector, you were so bad, you weren't even a sinner. Like there were sinners and tax collectors. You didn't even qualify to be a sinner. You were a complete different level of awful. Right? <laughs> but you're like, oh my gosh, Worse than I that. can't deal with how, like, why are you sitting with him? Blah, blah, blah. And then Jesus says, go and learn what this means. And that was like, when you understand the context, basically, here's some homeless like carpenter dude from nazareth busy telling the most learned experienced individuals in the entire belief system you missed something yeah i'm gonna school you now so maybe you go back to your Mm. little textbooks and try again like that is hectic i love it Mm. no i think i love it too Sure. No, this is so refreshing. Like, I think I learned a lot um, just by speaking to you. You're definitely the right person to speak to because I think it does become a little bit tricky because, like I said, if no one is preaching mm-hmm. about law, like if you're not being taught to repent. Um, I did a survey the other day. I think I just asked people online, like, how many of you have actually heard the word repent at church, you know? Or like, have you? has anyone actually ever told you you have to repent? And I was like, I actually don't think anyone has actually ever told me I have to repent. I've heard that God is good. 
I've heard that there's grace. I've heard that my sins are forgiven. But so like maybe people didn't get the full message. So maybe they erroneously believe that they can come with their lives because no one actually said repent. You know, like, I don't know. I mean, obviously, we'd have to ask people, but I think maybe they didn't actually, because maybe, I don't know, if, you, if you're sleeping around and maybe I'm too scared to confront your lifestyle um, and I just tell you about grace, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. these things happen, dude. I mean, I, they they really do. People get away with things. And I mean, because I mean, also, you, you also can't be there sitting judging people because, you know, you also have your own things to worry about. But it's just been interesting because it's like, maybe people didn't get the full message. Maybe no one actually told you that you have to mm-hmm. repent. And, and there's a very good reason for that. Is because turn away from your sins, you know? And uh, may, most churches would rather people weren't mm-hmm. uncomfortable because uncomfortable people tends to lead to empty pews. And so we're like, I'd rather not because I'd like to prefer. I prefer my friends <laughs> not. But is that such a bad thing? Are, so I'm going to make sure no one is uncomfortable in any way, shape, or form. But then you'd have like such a pure congregation. Imagine when Jesus is writing the seven letters to the churches, and yeah, your church doesn't feature because yours is the perfect one. <laughs> no, but <laughs> that's the thing: is like you did it's, it's trying to heat to up the without a flame. You, you can preach and preach and say the most beautiful, amazing things, but until there's that fire. Like, it's not really going to do much. There's just going to be a whole lot of lukewarm churches where church is viewed as a destination because the pastors never said anything that challenges us to go out and make disciples and teach and baptize and, and people need to repent. And and here's the thing. Like, there's two extremes. There's people who never preach about repentance and then there's people who only ever preach about repentance. And those people tend to be the fire and brimstone Um Repent or you shall perish in the fires of hell, blah, blah, blah. and neither one is very healthy. There needs repentance should lead to so so mm. conviction should lead to repentance, which should lead to a new life. Um, but many people just get stuck with okay, confession, uh, repentance, and that's that's about it. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, no, this was very inf- informative. I think we all needed just to like understand. Maybe that's all I've been needing this whole time. A theology student, like, so why don't you just tell us, give us the whole context of the whole law? Um, I don't know if there's anything else that you want to share. Maybe something that got us laid on your heart, or anything you just want to wow us with. Uh, something maybe you haven't thought of. Fair enough. Don't be shy, Devin. The people I, are um, listening. You're a spirit-led band, so I so trust what you're going to say. Definitely, God would have led you to uh, say it. I said something last night, which, like, looking back, you, you, know, you ever have those moments where you say something, and then afterwards you're like, ooh, fire, mm, where did that come from? So I said last night that I think <laughs> one of the one of the least appreciated but most under undervalued um, weapons in the history of warfare has been the walkie-talkie. I mean, can you imagine trying to conduct warfare without knowing where the enemy is, what he plans to do, where your support is, what the overall battle plan is? Like, it would be a nightmare. And that's exactly what trying to engage in spiritual warfare without prayer is like. Mm. You have no idea where the enemy is. You have no idea what he's planning to do. You have no idea where your support is coming from or what the actual battle plan is. You've got nothing. And yet most Christians, when they're going through a hard place, the last thing that they feel like doing is pray. And that's like, oh my gosh, you're being turned down by like a million of these guys. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to turn my Mm walkie-talkie off just in case, you know? And 
it's so important that that, that we <laughs> we treat prayer as a two-way conversation. It's not about you. Mm. It is not my experience. It's not a mega speaker. Mm. It's, it's not a, a microphone. Which means if you don't listen, you're not going to know it's what's going to happen. It's a walkie-talkie. Mm-hmm. Mm, 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 mm. Yo, that was so powerful, dude. Drops my mm. <laughs> drops my picks up a walkie-talkie. That was so powerful. That was so powerful. And what about um spiritual warfare prayers? Like, what type of prayers should one be praying? Do you it's have interesting you say that because, or like books uh, that I also you mentioned this last night was, and this is something that the Lord just revealed to me on early Saturday, early Sunday morning. Very often when it comes to spiritual warfare, we're praying the wrong things. You know, very often we're like, Lord, let this end, please. I'm getting sick and tired of this, blah, blah, blah. But yeah. you should never pray, Lord, let this end. You should be praying, Lord, give me the strength to endure until this is finished. Let, give me the strength to keep going until this is done. And um, yeah. you see it over and over again in Scripture that, yeah. that you know, Paul, not once did he say, oh, I wish this would end uh let it stop. And, and I think the best example with this would obviously be 2 Corinthians 12, um, where it says, you know, Paul was um, given this great you know, thorn in the flesh and he begged God three times to take it away. And God said, no, because my grace is sufficient to you. My power is perfect in your weakness. And it's sufficient for you. Paul, to his credit, he was like, okay, mm. well, cool. Then I'm going to enjoy this i'm going to enjoy struggling this is good because it brings me closer to god awesome and it's it's a complete mindset change because i was also i was like lord i'm tired of this i'm tired of you know just please make it stop and god said it's not up to you to be honest to decide when my when our battles end i'm including you in this but <laughs> it's not up to you i'm the general here not you so how about you just pray that I give you strength to keep going until this is done? Because you, then you'll end up a much stronger Christian individual than before. Mm, that is so powerful. Yeah. I think I said this in our home cell last week as well. I said, you know, we need to stop praying for things to go away because um, I think I said the, the only time where I heard trials were a good thing was in Christianity. Because I think yeah. before I became a Christian, I don't yeah. know, trials were just things to be avoided, things to not want to happen to you. But when you're when you're a Christian, the Bible says rejoice yeah. in these things yeah. and God will use them to build character and perseverance. And it's been like a whole mindset shift. So I was telling the people in our home cell, just ask God to like do what he needs to do. Like don't waste the mm -hmm. trial. Don't, don't waste the temptation. Let God's character be formed in you, you know. So I love that you said we should continue to pray for strength yeah. so yeah guys um also remember to put on the armor yeah. which is in ephesians cannot forget no. the armor of god that's the only yeah that's all you need you don't that need to see a sangoma you don't need to go get tea. Worse. you don't uh, tr trust me it's like, oh, my arms cut open i'll just get some <laughs> saliva of and someone else <laughs> want to spit go for it doesn't really work very well <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't work guys I just wait till somebody reverses that thing that you put on them then now you got the same thing that you wish you got like it's yeah it's just safer to just go to cross and the blood of Jesus Christ that's the only muti if we really ever needed some the only one that we ever need remember to put on the armor guys which is in Ephesians the belt of truth 
the shoes of the readiness to preach the gospel. Pretty weird. I'm not gonna lie. You're supposed to put them on in order. The helmet of salvation. <laughs> the <laughs> the breastplate of righteousness. <laughs> the sword, which is the word, and the shield of faith. These things are not just Sunday school things that they made us memorize. It's things that we actually need, and that's how we'll be able to withstand the wiles of the enemy. Kevin, thank you so so much. This has been a lovely chat. I learned a lot. Um, like I always say, I love it when I can just learn from other Christians and get to like, you know, just see things from their perspective and just add to the knowledge of who God is. And it's always amazing because I actually haven't had, I don't think I've had anyone from the same church as me on my podcast. So that's also like a beautiful thing because then I get to see mm. how God is working in other people's lives in their churches where they are. You know, it just kind yeah, of guys, solidifies to, to, to the truth of God. Do you have any closing to remarks? Keep going. Um, it's, it can be very easy to to sort of give up if we go through the, 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 the bad times. But remember this. If you have two people walking through uh, a river and the one is walking through uh, a quiet stream and the other is walking through almost rapids, by the end of the day, the one with the greatest resistance against him will have the much bigger thighs. So let that build you. Mm. Let it build you. Mm. Mm. Faith muscles. Let it build you. I think I have big thighs. I've been through a lot. So I think <laughs> I'm that me. person. <laughs> Devin, thank you so, so much. Um, what did you say is the name of the church? Tell us the top of the people which church you're in. So maybe yeah. there's so many. Uh, so in KZN, they church can join and, you. We've got lots of family. Uh, we have a youth service that we run on a, a Friday evening. Uh, from six till about eight. Then we've got um, a young adult service uh, on a Sunday evening from about half past five. And we have a morning service from about quarter past nine. Mm. Okay, guys, you heard it. Mtunzini KZN, if you they pop through, like find a church, find a church while, while, while we still have time before Jesus yeah. comes, before things get lit like let's let us repent guys repent like repent has become my favorite word for 2020 and for me i view it as a gift because it's like yo what an opportunity for me to get closer to god what an opportunity for my sins to not drag me to hell with them like what an opportunity what a beautiful opportunity it is to just sever the tie between my sins and i and to grow and to turn to christ so guys take this gift that's really available it comes with grace it's 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 beautifully packaged just don't abuse it understand the cost i think that's one thing that um i think you should all remember that devon highlighted is that we tend to forget that it cost christ his life so if you can remember that and understand that you know this is somebody's blood somebody's blood paid for you to not go to hell then from that I think that should make you think twice, three times, four times before doing whatever it is, uh, you know, that you're about to do that might abuse the grace of Christ. So, yeah, guys, that is episode number 23, Grace, Repentance Bye. and Law. <laughs> Until next time. Bye. You've been listening to The Teppy Show, the number one podcast for people who want to get their edge together and take their life to the next level. Loved this episode? Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. You can also share your thoughts and leave a voice message. Thank you. Until next Sunday.